Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Masque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jack Boyle. Jackler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jackler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit to Jackler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The New South Wales Central Coast attracts thousands of holiday makers over the Christmas New Year period. A reminder to those who fancy a race meeting that the Gosford Race Club will host one of the best provincial meetings of the year on Tuesday, December the 29th, featuring the $160,000 Group 3 Bell of the Turf over 1,600 metres for fillies and mares. Co-feature will be the $150,000 listed Gosford Guineas of 1,200 metres for the three-year-olds. If you can't make it to this meeting, you get a second bite of the cherry. Two days later, New Year's Eve, the Gosford Race Club will race again. You get a wonderful view of the action from all vantage points at Gosford and facilities are second to none. It's a friendly little race place at Gosford, the perfect venue for a post-Christmas day out for the Central Coast Revelers. 29th and 31st of December at Gosford. A flurry of recent winners has put a sparkle in the eye and a spring in the step of veteran Warwick Farm trainer Clary Connors. One of those winners, a lovely black mare called Stolen Jade, has won four from 11, including her last three straight, and she looks a definite improver. Clary has some pretty ambitious plans for this daughter of So You Think. Now, Clary Connors is approaching his 53rd year as a trainer and has had a magnificent career, embracing more than 1,600 winners, 39 Group 1s, and his Group 2, Group 3 and listed winners total 52. Last year, Clary and Marie Connors made the very tough decision to sell their landmark stables in Hope Street at Warwick Farm when their horse numbers started to dwindle and there were simply too many vacant boxes at Victory Lodge. The original plan was to auction the 2,860 square metre property, but all that changed when a private offer came from owner Ottavio Galletta, who'd had great success last year with Castelvecchio. Clary now has a manageable little team of 15 horses in work, accommodated at the stables of his son and fellow trainer Mark Connors. Many judges are tipping a partnership might be in the wind. Let's find out. Clary Connors, at last, joins the podcast. Great to have you on board, mate. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure, John. Pleasure. Clary, uh, everybody's telling me that it's only a matter of time before you and Mark form a training partnership. Yeah, well, that seems the way everybody goes nowadays, John, so uh, I think it'll happen. You know, I know it made good business sense uh, to sell that property in Hope Street, but it must have been quite a wrench for you and Marie when the time came. Yeah, well, look, we're there for 50 years, John. Um, when we moved, first moved there, we rented four boxes up one end of the stable complex, and as time went on a little bit, we, we went, rented another 10 boxes, and then that all the stables, which was 24, 24 boxes there, mm. 
And then uh, the old five-bell house um, became vacant. The people were living it. They moved out. And the proprietor of the whole place said, well, do you want to rent the house? So we ended up renting the house also. So mm. uh, and it was <laughs> it was pretty old. It was pretty old. Um, but then after a few, you know, a few years, we said, well, we've got enough cash not enough cash, but we put it together. Well, we'd like to buy the whole place. And the person who owned the place, a fellow called Lindsay Fitzgibbons, mm-hmm. he used to be a trainer. Yeah. And um, we bought the um, put a, done a deal over ten years to buy the place over ten years early. And, and uh, after eight years, I had a horse called um, Victory Prince, mm-hmm. and. Um, Got off a lot of money, sold into America, and the money I got for it, I bought my stables, and that's why I call it Victory Lodge. Of course, and I always thought it was very appropriate and very topical <laughs> that the address was Number Ten Hope Street, a perfect yep. address for a horse trainer. Yes, yeah, Hope Street. I used to always say to everybody that where do you guys I live? In, I live in Hope. Absolutely, you certainly do. Now, Clary, I don't think the thought of complete retirement has ever entered your head, has it? No, John, no. No, I I love training horses and naturally I love training winners and good horses. I miss miss my uh, big race winners. I miss them a little bit because they're... um, Mm. You get a great buzz when you win good ones, and I've, I've been very lucky. I've had some very good horses, and uh, miss them a little bit. But uh, as tra- training the horses, I love love watching them progress, their, go through their grades, and as we get from young horses and go to company mm. horses, that's uh, I love it. Mm. Now, Clary, I've heard this story before, but I want our listeners to share it with us. Now, in the nineteen sixties, you were a strapper and a work rider for your dad, Clary Connors Senior. Now, Correct. horses were very scarce and money was very scarce. And oh, you and Dad somehow acquired three old stables right near the Cessnock Town Hall. <laughs> the horses had a stable each and you and Dad slept in the other one on a couple of battered old bunks. I've got it right, haven't I? Uh, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that, that was right. Yeah, uh, we get one meal a day at the counter lunch out at the local pub. That was our meal, <laughs> mm. and we just lived in the, the, the stall in between the other two. Oh dear! Now you negotiated a very successful business deal with the <laughs> town hall janitor, who happened to be a keen gardener. Now, what were the yeah. terms of your contract? Yeah, well, that spoke to him, and he's a nice, nice gentleman, as you say. And we were, where we were was just at a couple of, as we say, three stables and no other facilities at all whatsoever. Mm. You know, Dad done a bit of a deal with him. If he bags up some manure for him each day, would he, if, if we jump the back fence, would he leave the, the toilet door open so we could go into the toilet during the night? So that, <laughs> that was the deal. <laughs> In exchange for... Bags of manure for the janitor's garden. <laughs> yeah. uh, fairy tale story. And the story yeah. gets even better because the two horses you had, namely Jack Quad and Fugitive, kept you and your father afloat. 
and at the end of their racing careers, Fugitive had won eight races, Jack Quad had won 11 races, and one of them at Randwick. Two great old meal tickets, weren't they? By the way, speaking of meals, where did you and your dad eat during that period? Well, as I said, we probably had a, a counter lunch once a day at the local hotel, Peter's Hotel. Um, and then if we, if we went to the races, uh, there was something at the races. But I remember Dad used to, those in the days, the jockeys they used to have a leg of ham. They used to they'd cut it up for the boys during the day. And I remember, all, and it's nearly always, Dad would go and get whatever's left that leg of ham and take home with us. <laughs> <laughs> promise, he'd, he'd, promise. Grab, he'd grab it out of the jockey's room, yeah, whatever, whatever finished, was left. Whatever's, Whatever's left, you'd wrap it up and, and, and we'd take it home. We'd have <laughs> yeah. Well, because it had been in a jockey's room, Clary, there'd be a fair bit left. Yeah, well, that's correct. It was, it was, it was wasted. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad had a, a, a sharp brain, didn't he, all his life? <laughs> yeah, he was always thinking, really, because he'd done it tough early. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt he was a very good old trainer too in his own right. And I'm sure yep. he would have taught you more good habits than bad ones. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. Mm. Now, the tough years obviously did him no harm. He spent his later years living with you and Marie in Hope Street and he was 98 years old when he died in 2013. That's correct. And he had reasonable health, didn't he, right to the end? Yeah, fairly good. He'd had a, a, a couple of car, bad car accidents and things like that, so he was lucky to be there. He, mm. Coming home from Canberra one day, uh, mum and, and dad, and a uh, car come to, overtook a truck and hit him head on, mm. and dad got, uh, I don't know if that seat belt in or what, but dad got uh, thrown out of the front, the front windscreen of the car and found him 30 metres up the road and... You know, he was going to die. I took him to Canberra Hospital. Yeah. I said, you better get down quick, smart. We don't know what's going to happen if he's going to last. Mm. And um, they saw half his face up from one side of his ear, right down his face, across his mouth, and then it, it was just a horrible mess. And he pulled through. He pulled through. <laughs> mm. Oh, he was indestructible. He yeah. made it to 98. Yep. Now, where did your first horses come from, Clary? When you set up shop uh, under your own name, where did you find owners? Through uh, my father. Mm. Um, my first winner was a filly called Coney Princess at Kembla Grange. I remember her, yeah. Um, and the rider was Hilton Cape. Goodness me. Hilton yeah. Cape. Yeah. That was my first, first, first run in a race. Yeah. Did she carry the yellow with the dark blue armbands? Um, she might have. Uh, she might have. Yeah, I think she did. I can. I can still remember the day. Actually, Probably Clary. Did. Might have. Might have. Yeah, you were very excited about it, but you thought after that win, you thought, "Oh, this is easy." But, <laughs> yeah, but you had to battle for quite a few years with average horses, winning an odd race here or there, just enough to keep your sanity. Did That's you, it, yeah. Did you ever consider giving it away? Oh, yes and no, a little bit later on because we were married then and had a, had a, had a mark, our first child, and mm. things were pretty tough, and, you know, you're trying to do the right thing for your, for your family. Uh, 
um, and then something keeps coming popping up, you know. And uh, it's like when I when we went to, to buy the house, we went to our accountant, and he and he said, "What's your? I've gone through all your paperwork and everything, and uh, you're making uh, nineteen dollars a week. How how can you buy a stable?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, <laughs> I, I, I'll I'll find a good horse." I find yeah. a good horse, yeah. and that, that, that's that's how that went. And that's what that's how we lived, John. Mm. You, uh, you you just kept saying, "Well, um, there'll be a better one next year, or we're around the corner." And always the old saying, uh, "While a trainer's got an race two year old, he's stable, will never nick himself." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's oh yeah, very very true. Now, Clary, let's highlight Victory Prince. He was placed at his first two starts in town. Then he won a two-year-old race at Warwick Farm. Then he ran second in the Penfolds Classic at Newcastle. Don't beat a whisker. Whisker. Yeah, a tight finish. Then he ran third in the Pago Pago Stakes. And then came the Group 1 AJC Sires Produce with a jockey called Tony Marnie on board. And he beat a very, very good horse, Clary. In fact, a rising superstar called Red Anchor. Yep, yep. It was a very exciting day for me because it was my first group one. And, uh, you know, it was just unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm. He, uh, he's a very good horse. Only last week you and I attended a luncheon hosted by Mick Doyle at the famous Doyle's Seafood Restaurant at Watson's Bay. And during the afternoon I spotted you on a corner table sitting opposite Tony Marnie, the man <laughs> that rode Victory Prince in that first Group One. I bet Victory Prince got a mention over lunch. Yeah, it just did mention. It did, it did get mentioned? Yes. <laughs> Tony rode a lot of winners for me. Yes. A lot of winners. Yeah. And he continued to ride work at Warwick Farm for a hell of a long time. Yes, he did. Yep. Yep. Retired only pretty recently. Yeah, I think he's only oh last few years, you know, but uh, he's healthy, you know, he's very healthy, but he just retired. I don't know what the reason was. Mm. Well, Victory Prince was by Imperial Prince, and that probably guided you to a filly in the nineteen eighty seven English Easter Sale out of a mare called Outing, which you had trained previously. She did absolutely nothing outing in five starts, but she was sound, she had a good pedigree, and you were prepared to give her a chance as a brood mare. Now, the filly, Clary, was passed in at $20,000, and a couple of days later you decided to ring John Kelly at New Haven Park Stud and see if he'd lease it to you. That's correct, yeah. Well, you know, I, I couldn't afford to buy at the time, and... Uh she was a lovely racy type of filly, racy type of filly. And mm. I rang uh, Mr. Kelly and I said, Would you, could I lease that filly, Mr. Kelly, you know? And, uh, mm. and uh, yeah, she said, yeah, that'll be fine, Clary, that'll be fine, yeah. So I formed a syndicate, three other uh, friends of myself, mm. and we, the four of us took the, took the filly, mm. and she gave us so much pleasure, so much pleasure, um, the races she won, she was a phenomenal mare, and and she gave me so much pleasure because the other people in the horse were similar to myself. Loved the good time, got a great thrill out of the horse winning, and yeah. and it was, it was just fantastic times with her. Yeah, and her name, of course, 
was research. Clary yeah. and Marie kept 25% of her for themselves and the rest is history. But, Clary, before we get on to her talents, what about her temperament? What an ill-tempered, <laughs> unpleasant, cantankerous tart she was. Not <laughs> occasionally, every day. Yeah, well, every day, you're right. You, 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 you'd um, walk you on the track at work and you sort of walk up a bit of a shoot and mm. they go onto the track to work in the morning and everybody see her coming, they'd just look out, get out of the way, switch her. She would run sideways or backwards to kick other horses. Yeah. She was bloody dread, dreadful, she was. Oh, horrible. And, and the same in the parade yard at the races you yeah, had to watch yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I never forget when she won the derby because, as you know, they have the big garland of roses when you win derbies, you know, mm, mm. And, and Mick's coming back in on it and it's way under them. I said, I'm just going to throw him over neck. No, he said, don't do that. I said, she'll be right, Mick. She, you know, we threw the, I threw the garland of roses over her neck, hanging down her shoulders, and she took off through the enclosure. <laughs> the strap has got hold of her one end. She's pig and bucking. There's roses going everywhere. Look, <laughs> swearing. And I'm chasing her. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I was watching that from the broadcast box about 200 feet up in the air. I had a bird's eye view of it. She went off a rocker. Yeah, that was her. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be careful around it, Clary. Did she ever get you or any member of the staff? No, I think she got the staff couple of people. She got a mm. couple of people that she's got them. You know, when they brush them over, she'd cow kick them, you know, because she'd purposely try to kick you. Yeah. Oh, she'd line you up. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and if you go in the box to feed you, to make sure you know, you're paying attention to what you're doing. Mm. She won a couple of two-year-old races and she actually ran in the Golden Slipper. But as a three-year-old, she jumped out of the ground. She won the Furious Stakes. She ran second in the T-Rose. She won the Group 1 Flight Stakes. Ran second with no luck in the Thousand Guineas in Melbourne and then scored spectacular wins in the Wakeful and the VRC Oaks, which she won by four lengths. Clary, there's no doubt she was the best three-year-old filly in Australia that year. Well, she was, John. She, she was... She's just sensational. As you say, that the 1,000 guineas at, at um, Caulfield, she should have won that too. She just got stuck back too far and couldn't get a run. Mm. And she ran second, I think, the Riverina Charm, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, at, uh, yeah, she was pretty unlucky. But she was so, she was so strong and dominant. Uh, you know, she's far too good for the Phillies. And when we come to Sydney, I was adventurous enough because – the the um, in Melbourne when she won the Oaks, she ran faster time than the, the Colts did in the Derby. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, when she came to Sydney, I was adventurous enough to take the Colts on there. So mm. that's uh, yeah, she's she's so strong, very strong yeah. and tough, and, uh, and tough as hell. Yeah, tough as hell. Yeah, Clary. Before uh, that Sydney Autumn Carnival, she was unplaced first up in the Light Fingers. She ran second in the Hobartville, third in the Chipping Norton. And then came an amazing treble, all in the space of 11 days. She won the Storm Queen, which was then a Group 2, then the Derby, followed by the Oaks only four days later. She was in devastating form. Now, the Derby. Mick Dittman decided to go to the front uh, when it was obvious nobody wanted to lead. And Mick would have been very embarrassed had he heard the names you were hurling at him from the grandstand? 
Well, well, I'm not going to tell you over the phone what I said in here, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I was, my heart, when he went past the face the first time, my heart just sunk, honestly. I just said, no, no, don't, don't do that, please. Don't do it. No, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, but he knew what he had under it. And as you keep saying, she was so tough and she just, you know, and, and John... Mick got on, a, got on with her so well. Yes. He made her the horse that she was. Mm. If you have a look at her, all her good wins Mick ran on every time. Mm. And we know how hard a rider Mick Dippman was. Mm. And she just responded to that better than any other jockey. And yeah. I think Shane won, won on a couple of times and won second to Vaux Rogue in, in the McKinnon Stakes also. But, mm. you know, if, if Mick was on her, she was two or three lengths better horse. Yeah, they were made for one another. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clary, she had the constitution of a stallion and what an eater. And that yeah. appetite caused you big problems later on because she did she did everything but her bedding and she was very hard to get fit uh, later in her racing career. In fact, she never won again in 10 starts after the Oaks, but her job was done. Nine wins, four group ones, seven placings, $1.8 million. She ran in a Melbourne Cup too, didn't she, one year? Yes, she did, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that year was I had ambition to try and win the Melbourne Cup because she was a great horse. Mm. And as you just said, I, I had never could get a fit. Mm. Uh, I was stable at Caulfield at the time, a fellow called Brian Ralph at Caulfield, yeah. Yeah. and he had nothing to work with. I couldn't get into work because I used to work very hard. Mm. And uh, I had to go to Fremantle one morning. I, I arranged with um, um, Hayes' manager, Hennessy, mm. uh, to gallop a horse over 2,000 metres. So I worked in something. Fennessy. Gary Fennessy. Gary Fennessy, yeah. Mm. So I had to go to Fremington to work up to get a fit over 2,000 because that's how I used to work. Up. Similar work to what I was told about coming just to do a few horses. So yes. I went over there. And Harry White's going to ride. I don't know what it meant. Mick was. He, he couldn't ride or something. Mm. Yeah, Harry White's going to ride. Her. I'll never forget, he's come there to track work to ride up, and he's just walking there. At the end. I said, uh, Harry, you got a whip? No, he said, I haven't got a whip. I said, mate, we've got to have, you've got to have a whip on this man to make it work. Mm. Mm, he said, oh, hang on. He said, i got something in the back of the car. So he went back to his car and he came out with this little miniature whip about one foot long. <laughs> I said, what is that? He said, oh, this is an old whip. We put pads and little fraps on the for my son. He said, that'll do. Oh, no. Anyhow, mm. she didn't. She only worked fair. Mm. Was, that was before the Caulfield Cup. Yeah. And in the Caulfield Cup, she was just kind of coming around and she was going to get right into it and got decked. Mm. So Harry just eased her up. And she ran, a, instead of running a fifth or sixth, she ran ninth or tenth. And I said, mate, he didn't ride us the line. Oh, he said, didn't want to knock her around, you know. So I've got it. So now I've gone out and had a gallop. wasn't a decent gallop. I've gone around the Caulfield Cup mm. and had an easy run. And I'm going to the Melbourne Cup. So I never got fit going into the race. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah, things that happened. But anyhow, yeah. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> and it got worse as she got older, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, she mm. just lost a bit of form, and so we, she retired. And and there's an old thing like. Um, you know, I'm going to call her a champion mare. What she done, or champion for me, anyhow. Mm. Them great race mares never seem to produce winners, and she can't produce a winner. Mm. 
Well, I got news for you. Do you know she was sent to the United States at around 14 or 15 years of age, New Haven Park, uh, for whatever reason, sold her to the United States. Clary, she finished up producing a winner in Mexico. Go on. Research, you'll find if you look through the records and the stud books, research produced a winner which won, I think, one race in Mexico. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. They just and, and my my you know we, we talk about emancipation and Sunlong Sunline and all them sort of horses and Maccabi Diva. Mm. You know they just for some reason uh, they're more male gender I think than anything else, and they just don't seem to uh, produce good foals. And there've been so many examples. Sunline oh, is another one. Maccabi yeah. Diva's been a rank disappointment. That's right. Incredible. Now, mate, before we leave the research story, I want to recount the tale of a day I was over at your stables with a Channel 9 camera crew, probably doing a story on research, and uh, the old fibro house was still there, (laughs) and you said to me, come over here and uh, I want you to look at something. And we looked at one corner uh, at the front of the fibro house, and you said, do you think that house is sinking? <laughs> I said it's it's leaning to starboard a bit, mate. Uh, you said, At that oh. stage, the walls weren't meeting; they were starting to separate the walls. <laughs> <laughs> you were. You said, "Oh God, I, I don't know how much longer we can live in this joint." Anyway, research won all that money, and you were able to build a lovely two-storied brick home in which you and Marie lived happily right up until you sold it last year. That's correct. Yes, sir. She, um, Victory Prince bought the stables and, and, and Research bought the house. <laughs> now, let's pause for a break on the podcast. We'll be back in a moment to review and to pay homage to your four Golden Slipper winners. The catalogue is out for the 2021 English Classic Yearling Sale. In total, 803 yearlings have been catalogued, 620 in the main book, 183 in the highway session. The sale will run from February the 7th to February the 9th at Riverside and will be preceded by the running of the $2 million English Millennium at Randwick on the Saturday. 108 stallions will be represented at the classic sale, including 22 first season sires. 87% of the yearlings are Bob's eligible, while there are yearlings catalogued eligible for Vobus, QTIS, West Speed, and also the South Australian Breeders and Owners Incentive Scheme. Since 2018, English auctions have produced 53 Group 1 winners. In the last four years, the Classic Sale has produced the winners of a Melbourne Cup, a Golden Slipper, an Everest, a Blue Diamond, a Randwick Guineas and a Victoria Derby. Grab your copy of a catalogue bursting with quality. The English Classic Sale 2021. Let's acknowledge the deeds of your four slipper wins. The first was Terse in 1991, coincidentally a son of your first Group 1 winner, Victory Prince. Clary Terse won 11 of his first 13 starts with eight straight at one stage. Now, a few days after the slipper, you were horrified to learn that he'd returned a positive swab 
to a substance called lignocaine and you knew straight away what had happened. Yeah, well, he was a little bit, a little bit of a hard-going horse, and um, I, I think his teeth hadn't been done at this stage. He cut his mouth, and and when they cut their mouth inside, they, they just sort of uh, instead of going easy, they sort of go harder. They more damage to themselves. Mm-hmm. So he's had these lacerations inside his mouth where his teeth was bubbing, mm-hmm. and we had an old. My father had this bottle on the shelf, and um, I don't even know what it was. It was a mouthwash. Just, just mouthwash it was called, mouthwash, that's all. Mouthwash, yeah. Yes, mouth. And I, I said to Dad, will you use that? He said, yes, I've used that before. And he, got, he said, I got off the canvas years ago, so he sort of brushed all the dust of the cobwebs off it mm. and took a bit of a cotton ball and, and just sort of just dab it on the little cuts inside his mouth, you know, mm. and and that was it. And... Uh, and that's what it, there was lignocaine in it. Yeah. Um, and that's what showed up when, when from the positive swab when he won. Mm. Well, you had a second nightmare coming because you continued to use that stuff after the golden slipper, well, right, that's up to, right up to the, the size. Time. So you knew he was going to be positive again. Yeah, yeah. I said, to, I think John Shrek, was it? I think. Um, I said, look, I said, I've got, don't have problems because I said, He's, he, I've still been bathed his mouth before the before the size, mm. so uh, I told him beforehand before they even done it, mm. and um, and then they agreed that, that was that was same. They they found it then, mm. and then before then he went to the champagne. They said you know naturally not going to use it. I said I don't use it anymore now, of course. Mm. Uh, before we wasted the champagne, they came and swabbed him the day before and everything. He was clear, and uh, yeah, and he was clear because they hadn't. Two weeks before was the last time he used it. Mm. And Shane Dye will tell you, Clary, to this day, that he never went better than he did in the champagne stakes. Yeah, he won easy. He won easy. He's, uh, mm. But he is, <laughs> to say, you know, a horse, horse like him nowadays, horse like him nowadays, he'd be an absolute superstar mm. because he was, as you just said, he won, he won um, 11 out of his first 13 starts. And a couple of them, he got he won two or three. He won, he won second, and that is mm. very good horse. Very good horse he was. Mm. Well, Shane Dye says he was the best two-year-old he rode. Yeah, fair enough. Fair he, enough. He has no doubt. Well, the whole ordeal got to you, and the day sentence was passed, uh, or the case was wound up in the stewards' headquarters out at Randwick. Uh, you came out of the door. I was there with a news crew and you were reduced to tears when uh, <laughs> they fined you $10,000. Hey, this is 30 years ago. It was a fair whack, but a, a hell of a lot better than uh, the alternative. You copped it sweet. Yeah, it was, John. You know, it was, it was a bit emotional at the time, naturally, and, um, yeah, I just thought it was going to be better than anything else, you know. Mm. Well, the following year, a marauding filly came into your place by the name of Burst and she gave you consecutive golden slippers. She came from midfield or a little bit worse, Clary. There was terrific speed on up front with two or three others attacking the leader, Clan O'Sullivan, and it suited her down to the ground. She stormed home. 
Yeah, well, we knew it was clear how Sullivan used to lead. We knew the other people taking him on, possibly, or we knew there'd be a lot of speed on. And she was midfield, and if you ever get a chance to watch it, for about the 600, 700, Shane was upper, push, rubbing the ears of her mm. to, to, try and, to try and catch him, get going, to get going. Mm. And she never ch- never talked to her. The whole, all the way down the street, she just kept trying and trying to catch that horse. And um, I think that was one of her highest day of her whole life that day. She just wanted to catch that horse and put her head down, ears back, and she took out after him and got him on the line, you know. And it was a big, big effort by her, I tell you. It's just pony. A little pony, I got her. Mm. Um, I got her because they were, she was too small to put through her sale. Yeah, goodness me. Well, like Turs, she went on to complete the Triple Crown by winning the Sires and the Champagne Stakes for her owners, the Kelly family and the late Jack Ingham. She raced on for a long time, Clary. She had a total of 40 starts in all. She only won two more after uh, her two-year-old days but they were both Group 2s. They were nice races. Yeah, well, she was sound. She was sound and uh, happy enough to race her. Um, but um, she was a very exciting filly too, you know, because she was a bit of a tart. She, mm. she, she was um, – so she had a little bit of fire and that probably made her good also. Mm. But, um, yeah, two years in a row, that was, didn't, I, was, I thought I was – a America uh, get one and get two in a row or something else. Yeah, well, you had to wait six years for the next one, but it was worth waiting. 1998 with a gelding called Prowl, ridden by Chris Munch. Now, Prowl was raced by the same syndicate. Uh, the Kellys and Jack Ingham carried the same colours and was by the same sire, Clary, marauding. Uh, he just pinged out of the gate, sat outside the leader and won easily. Yeah, well, I, uh, Shane got off in that year to uh, Laurie's Lottery because mm. uh, he thought Laurie's Lottery would win the race. And Laurie's Lottery used to lead, but Shane wouldn't lead in the slip. He, he, you know, he's like, he's got his ideas, you can't change him. Mm. <laughs> he said, uh, if you lead, you can't win. So he, he, I knew Laurie's Lottery wouldn't be leading. Mm. And I thought, well, this is a chance. On there was another horse on it. I think his name might have been Speed Check or something. Guy trained it, mm. and it goes fast. But I thought well, it's not a chance against me. So I said to Chris, I said, look, there's only one one other horse that's got speed in the race. Just just track it and, and be there and, and see mm. what happens. So that's what he done. Is you just say he was always running second mm. and Bolton, and when the other horse just dropped off, he had the race one. Way you go. Yeah. Well, on to the year 2000 and the freaky win by Belle du Jour, who jumped in the air at the start, went straight back to last, and this has to be the biggest surprise you've ever had in racing. Yeah, yeah well, I had another horse in the race too, as a matter of fact, for the Kellys. But when they jumped, as you say, she jumped up in the air and... Um, Lenny Beasley rode her, mm. and when she was at one stage, when she's coming back down to the ground, his legs, his feet were higher than the saddle. Oh, dear me. Yeah. And, and, and then, lucky enough, when she hit the ground again, 
she went straight. She didn't veer sideways. If she had, a veer fell off. Yeah, of course. She went straight, so he plonked his ass went back down the saddle. Yeah, so he admits that very, too, Lenny Very, lucky, very yeah. lucky. He's very lucky, you know. And then mm. to 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 give him the start like she did, and um, <laughs> Lenny, I can never forget Lenny saying he was coming to the turn, and Larry Cashy was on the outside, and he's singing out to Larry, 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 let me out, let me out. And Larry, of course, told him what to do, mm. and and uh, anyhow, he went back to the inside and just weaved through the field, and that's another day. You know, some horses, I, 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 it'd be nice if you knew beforehand exactly, but some horses have one their, day finest, their finest moment. One day in their life will mm. do something uh, extraordinary, and you can probably never ever produce that again. Mm. Like I say, burst. And she done it, and this really she done the same. She yeah. won races after that. She took me to Dubai. She mm. and she won the Newmarket in Sydney and yeah. Melbourne. She won the Guild Guy. She was a great little mare. Mm. And uh, but I, that was her. That was her day in life. That she just produced the best she her heart could give her. Mm. The scenes in the enclosure after the race were unforgettable. John Singleton put a bear hug on part owner Bob Hawke and went very close to making history by being the first man to suffocate a former Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, <well> I... <laughs> he, he, he went berserk, Singo, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I, <laughs> I, I went off a bit too. I, I got I got the bottle of champagne and and, and shook it up and I squirted Bob and, and Blanche all over. And Blanche went cooking because it was a new dress. <laughs> <laughs> did he? Now, apart from the Lignocaine scare, easily the lowest point in your career was having to scratch Muawad from the Doncaster of 1997. He was a three-year-old. He'd won seven from eight, including three straight group ones. And at the weights, he looked a certainty in the Doncaster. Now, on the Good Friday, you detected a tiny little bubble on the off-four tendon, and your heart sank. You got the vet, they took one look at it, and you knew he would have to be scratched. Yeah, well, that's very controversial because I he bumped, he bumped it in because he swam on the Thursday afternoon and when I'm coming home in the car from my Hawkesbury races, my mm. lawyer looked, after horse, he said, Oh, boss, horse must have bumped himself in the field. He's got a little little mark on his tendon. Mm. So when I come home, I went straight to his box and I oh, yeah, he bumped it somehow, but I don't know if he put a back on it or something. But um, anyhow, it must have been next morning that I, anyhow, I rang up the owners. I said, Look, there's a little bit of a mark on this horse's tendon. Mm. Uh, it's not bad, but anyhow, within hours, there was Patrick Hogan, part owner, and Few others from New Zealand. There was carloads of people there and vets and everything. And they said, "I'll oh, retire him." Now, if I thought they're going to retire him, I would never let him know that. Of course, the horse wasn't lame; it wasn't sore. No. He bumped it the day before. He bumped it in the pool, and that was all. Mm. It worked. It worked during the week that, and galloped. No work. No fine. Mm. He bumped it in the pool, and and. Yeah, that was just uh, – that was – he was a mm. – he was a sensational horse, sensational horse, and I think I don't know if you, yourself or somebody else 
interview Grant Cooks a few years ago and yeah. asked him the question, what's the best horse you ever rode, Grant? Yeah, he did, he absolutely. Was... And you say he was the best you ever trained. He's a Perry, I hope I've got this right. It it was decided to retire him immediately yep. uh, after that. He never raced again. He went to the Glen Logan Park stud in Queensland and it was discovered he was infertile. Correct, yes. Is that right? He covered 60 mares, I believe, yeah, in his first yeah. couple of months, and yeah. not one of them went in foal. That's correct, that's correct. Goodness me, what an anti-climax. Yeah, yeah. But well, then, you know, then I was gonna, naturally going to sell and get rid of him, mm. and I formed a syndicate of my owners and that and a couple of friends to pay half a million for him because he had two years off, mm. And, you know, he was, I was only a five-year-old, I think. Might mm. have been just got six or five-year-old. He had eight starts, you know. Yeah. And, and, and long spell, he's going to be a better horse than ever. Mm. You know, I, I reformed the syndicate to buy for half a million. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'll get him for that easy. Mm. And then Chinese people who I knew said, uh, I asked them, you know, I said, you know, about a bit on this horse. They said, no, 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 we don't want him. Mm. Anyhow, you know, who outbid me and bought him. Mm. And and took him to China to stand at start. Or Japan. Yeah, just, no, I went to China. Did he? Yeah. Went to China to go to start, of course, he's infertile. So that was a funny move. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd have had him as a five or six-year-old to race. He'd been mm. something else. Clary, we're talking about a, a full brother to octagonal, a multiple group one winner from one of the best families in the stud book, Yep. And he was unable to breed on. That was yeah. just devastating for all concerned. I'm sure it was, yeah, yeah. Hey, mate, let me whip through some of your other highlights. Arborea, two Group 1s, including the Victoria Oaks. Mirror Mirror won a Magic Millions. Rose Archway won an AJC Oaks. Apursu and Mossman both won the JJ Atkins. Viking Ruler won a Spring Champion Stakes. Um... The QTC Oaks, uh, you won a Queensland derby with Air Seattle. And more recently, Dem- a Deer Demi was a great filly for you with seven wins, including the Crown Oaks in Melbourne, and she also ran second in the ATC Oaks in Sydney. You've had a bit of fun, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, as I said earlier, I've been lucky. I've had some lovely horses, lovely horses, and, and uh, you know, they they make you jump out of bed at three thirty in the morning. Them sort of horses, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and the, the excitement of the thrill race day is just uh, you you can't um, you can't describe it really, you know. You know, like you get owners to go to the races, you know, and they can't. Ex- people are big business and they go to the races. They they, they say the excitement of their, of their horse winning, and they they can't explain it how much how they. It's, Gives them so much a high, you know. Mm. You've copped plenty of flack over the years for your inclination to change jockeys at short notice. And you were once lightheartedly presented with a chocolate wheel, which was <laughs> fringed by the names of a dozen top Sydney jockeys. It quickly became known as the chocolate wheel. Have you still got it? <laughs> Of course I have. Of course I have. Yeah. I've got, got the chocolate wheel. Like, naturally, you, you, a friend of mine 
I mean, the one that where it came from is uh, Kevin Moses used to do a fair bit of riding for me, and then you had bad for a couple of nights, so I hadn't put him on. And he said to Mark one day, he said, "What's that there?" He said, "I don't get. Am I off the chocolate wheel? Chocolate wheel?" So you know, and he said, "You know, what's happening? Your dad don't put me on." And he said, "I don't know. I'll ask him." So anyhow, a mate of mine was there, and he heard it, and he made the chocolate wheel with a J, you know. Oh yeah. And so. Um, you know, I suppose there's about 25 spaces on it, and mm. every every third or fourth one would be Shane, and then Dittman, and then uh, and uh, <laughs> so they they come. On. It was just a, it was a bit of a family joke, and yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a quick story. Mark, it was, and uh, had runners at Gosford one day, and it was Beedman's name was up there quite regular on the, on the, on the chocolate wheel, mm. and uh, Beedman's rode a horse for Mark, and. Mark's opinion, he rode the horse pretty ordinary. I'll never forget Mark. He come home, went to the jog at Wilt, and pulled all the beadmans off the board and said, Bugger Beadman, I don't want him on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? He ripped his name off the jog at Wilt. We've mentioned uh, your son Mark is working 20 horses at Warwick Farm. What's your other boy up to, Clary? Heath Connors. He trained very successfully in Melbourne for a number of years. But I think he had his last runner last year at Bendigo, and it was a winner, and then he pulled the pin. No, the winner was at Flemington, John. Flemington, was it? Winner. Yeah, Flemington. Was yeah, his it? last runner. Mm. Yeah, and um, there he's – look, he was he was a good trainer, and, you know, he had – which he, I never thought he'd ever train horses after myself and his and brother, and, and he got out of my – when I had a start in Melbourne, he was a former there, and – he operated fairly successful, and um, he he, um, he said, oh, "I want to get my own license." So I said, "Okay, you have them horses, you have the stables." That was fine. And then he he gave up training because he had a, he moved to Geelong. He had a big complex. He had the club the club put him in a complex of twenty odd stables, mm-hmm. and he got down to about seven horses, but he had to pay for the twenty odd stables. Oh, dear. So the rent was killing him. They wouldn't let him sublet. Mm. So he said, I'll get out of this, I'll, I'll get out. And, and he's, he's working for a firm um, at the moment called Southern Cross Feeds, yep. uh, pre-mixed type feed people. And they he used to use their feed when he was training and he, and he loved them. He loved their feed. The smell was nice. Texture was good. Mm. Uh, his horses all went good on it. Now, he, he's um, – so they give him a job and he's um, – um, he's a national sales manager now for them, mm-hmm. and their sales um, turnover has gone up something like two hundred percent. He's been over to Singapore and um, way everywhere selling his feet, and it's going great, going great. So he's happy, and uh, he only has to work five days a week, and he's yeah. home with his family, so he's very happy. Good news. Clary, let's finish where we started by looking at your plans for Stolen Jade, who's won her last three and she's deserving of a crack in better company. You've got some plans coming up. Yes, John. She's a Magic Million horse. Mm-hmm. And as you know, on Magic Million Day, there's a race for a mare's race for Magic Million horses only. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm just hoping she's got enough benchmark points to get into that race. She's going, she's going good. I'm very happy with her. Mm. After she won a, that Saturday meet at Canberra, I brought her home and sent her out to the water walker for a week mm. just to keep her ticking over and and, and keep her happy. Um, and she'll go up there 
and race the uh, week before. There's a there's another there's a class four. Yeah, fillies and mares benchmark. No, sorry, class four. The fillies and mares that the magic million horses. So she's still eligible for that now, and it's worth it's worth quarter of a million also. So that's the plan. She'll go and race. She'll go up there racing that race on the ninth, and then back up the week later. Great. Now, provided Premier Palaszczuk doesn't close the border again, you and Marie will be able to have a nice little holiday on the coast. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's for sure. We, we've got a problem, though. We've got two dogs and a cat. So Harry, we, you yeah. drop, you're dropping a hint. Do you want me to look after them for you? <laughs> well, and one, one dog's, one dog's um, is going blind, oh, so we've yeah. got to give him... Got to give him needle and drops his eyes every twice a day, and he's got diabetes. Oh, God. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like mother's staying home and Clary's she'll, going to the Gold Coast. Yeah, she'll, she'll, uh, she'll do a bit of both, I think. She'll do a bit of both. I hope so, mate. <laughs> well, it's been a fascinating journey, eh, from the days when you and Dad were sleeping in an old stable at Cessnock. Yeah. 39 Group 1s, four Golden Slippers and many other great Australian races. I'm really pleased you're going to keep going for a while yet, Clary, because Sydney racing needs people like Clarence Edward Connors. You've done a mighty job. Thanks a lot, John. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the podcast produced by Supernova Sound. <laughs> <laughs>